Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Amanda Man Games Podcast. This is episode 6 of my weekly gaming podcast where we discuss all things video games related. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and to support this show, please subscribe, comment and rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can email me any questions at amandamangames at gmail.com. That's amandamangames at gmail.com. All the various social media links will also be in the description. So we're going to jump right into the news. We have some juicy items to go over today. And the first one is pretty big in my opinion. The ba- Batman's next game might be a non-Arkham new IP. This is coming from WCCF Tech from Nathan Birch. It seems that the Batman Arkham franchise may be done for. Of course, Batman Arkham Knight was supposed to be the series' grand finale, but the video games industry rarely lets anything successfully die, and rumors of a new Arkham game have been bouncing around for years now. That said, those rumors have shifted recently. As we reported a few weeks back, it's now rumored that the new Batman game in, in the works at Warner Brothers Montreal is ditching the Arkham name and continuity in favor of a soft reboot. The new Batman game will kick off a new, somewhat cohesive DC game universe. Shortly after its release this fall, it will be followed up by a next-gen DC game from the creators of the Batman Arkham franchise, Rocksteady Studios. The roadmap from there is foggy. Sources have said that a next-gen Superman game is also in the works at WB, but nothing has been confirmed yet. So for me, this is pretty interesting. This is pretty exciting because I love the Batman Arkham games. Um, I was a big fan of the older Batman games as well. Uh, some of the older stuff that uh, was on the NES and SNES. Uh, even even the, I think it was a Batman Begins game. I don't think it was a Batman Begins game. But I think it was like a Batman animated series game at some point. And I just really, really like these Batman games. Seeing how well Spider-Man did with Insomnia games and on, on PlayStation. I think it's a given that DC needs to come back, come back strong. And maybe coming off with a new Batman game. That's not in the Arkham universe. That just starts off a whole new thing. Maybe a, a number of new characters. They can re-explore Joker's origins and, and Joker in general. Especially see how, how well the Joker Joker film did a while back. It only makes sense that they want to kind of go back. Since that whole Joker st- storyline was was uh, finished in the, in the Arkham franchise itself. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm more interested to see... How they handle the Superman IP or just a Superman game in general. Just because I feel like a game like that is just so hard to do. Which is an, which is an issue I think we will see with uh, in Marvel's Avengers when it comes to Thor. You know when you're playing a god who can't be hurt. Who's immortal and you're fighting regular enemies. You have to have a good explanation as to why Superman or Thor, or whatever, you know, are getting hurt, and their health is going down, and why you need to find health immediately, or whatever, you know. Uh, with Batman and other other heroes that are just kind of putting a disguise on, or a costume on, for them, it's a, it's, it's a little easier to explain to the consumers, to the gamers, as to why they're getting hurt, and stuff like that. So, the Superman, I think that's one of the reasons that Superman games have not been as prevalent as maybe they used to be. Actually, I don't, I don't even know if they used to be that prevalent. I know... I know there was one game that came out on the Nintendo 64, which everyone kind of hated because it wasn't really a Superman game. It was more of you just kind of doing weird, crazy taxi-like scenarios or whatever. But, you know, I think it'll be it'll be cool if they can actually handle Superman well. 
I do wish they did other super superheroes in the DC universe, like Green Lantern, like Aquaman, or even Flash. So maybe this might be a good start. Maybe WB is realizing that they have a lot of good characters with them. And this could be the step in the right direction. And it said that there's going to be one game coming out this fall, which is something that we were expecting with WB Montreal, the way they were teasing a new Batman game. And it being rebooted with a new console coming out, I think this is the perfect time. It'll be really interesting to see what they do at the end of the day. So the next news item, this is actually this is actually pretty cool as well. This is coming from Kojima Productions. Everyone's on this rumor mill or just hyping rumors type of week for some reason. I'm not sure why everyone's kind of doing this. But you know what? We love it as gamers, to be honest. I was pretty psyched when I saw this. Uh, a new Silent Hill game from Kojima Productions. So this is coming from Alex Avard and Connor, Connor Sheridan from Games Radar. Kojima Productions' recent spate of online teases for an impending announcement later this week have led Silent Hill fans to believe that the Death Stranding studio is potentially working on a new game in Konami's famed horror series. A recent tweet featuring Kojima Productions' head of communications Aki Sayoto is the most convincing piece of evidence for this theory. Not only does the tweet feature the word silent, but zoom in on Sayoto's Sayoto's drawing utensil and you can see he's actually using a pyramid pencil. Pyramid, of course, represents the iconic villain of Silent Hill 2, and it's hard to imagine any reboot happening without him in the picture. While, While it obviously could be an elaborate troll, it's certainly a fun little reference either way. Following that, Kojima himself also posted a picture of a calendar with a March date clearly readable on his wall. Considering that the original Silent Hill's Japanese release date was 4th of March, there is circumstantial evidence that it could be Silent Hill related if an announcement was made on the game's anniversary. Finally, renowned Silent Hill artist Masahiro Ito has also been dropping his own teases about the potential return of the franchise, tweeting a new sketch showing some of the series' series key characters snuggled up in, in bed together. Seriously, I don't know what happened there. But uh, first of all, I think one thing should be noted is this is very, very unlikely in general that Kojima Productions would be handling Silent Hill because Silent Hill is owned by Konami. From what I know, I don't think Konami has given up that IP rights yet or they've given it out or licensed it out to anyone else. And uh, as as most of us most of us gamers know, Kojima, Hideo Kojima and Konami didn't have the, the best breakup after Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, obviously, he left uh, uh, Konami. He got the Kojima Productions name and he started his own new production studio, more of an independent studio. I don't really know if it's independent because the type of games that they're making and the type of characters or, or stars that are getting on, on, on that game, it's not it's not independent at all. But, you know, they made Death Stranding. It came out on PS4. It's going to come out on PC soon. Uh, I don't know if, how well it sold, but it was obviously AAA. It was pretty big. And... Them going to a horror game, I can totally see that because Kojima was working on a Silent Hills game at Konami before all the issues started and uh, he was either kicked out or left or whatever. We don't know the full story. So I just do not see, even if, if him and Konami, let's say, go back to being okay with each other, I just do not see Konami telling him that, hey, you can have the IP, you can make an IP under the Kojima production name. It could be possible that Konami licenses out to them the the title the ip to kojima productions to make it for all the platforms because kojima productions is not owned by sony so they can make games for everyone for pc ps4 xbox so konami might be looking internally and saying that hey it might be a better idea to 
to license this out and everyone must have said that hey why don't we just give it to Hideo Kojima since he was already working on on the game but again I don't know it's very hard to see that happening just because of how they broke up I feel like if he just left Konami we didn't really hear anything about what happened or any issues they had he started his, his own thing he became independent I could kind of see something happening there between Konami and, and Hideo Kojima but just because we basically had read reports how he was kicked out, how they didn't let him go to certain uh, award shows, uh, like just the issues that were happening internally in terms of how Hiro Kojima was using the money that was or the budget was ex- was exceeded like crazy. So I don't, I just I don't know. I just don't see that happening. It's obviously interesting that they're they're doing all this that they're, that they're teasing this. I think this is kind of their way of. Uh, being mindful or just kind of taking note of what people have been saying about their next project because they did mention that they're going to be working on a horror project most likely and everyone's been speculating that it might be a new uh, Silent Hill game. So I think it's possible that they're just taking a jab at that. They know that we're talking about this. So they're like, hey, let's just kind of put this, let's put Pyramid on this pencil. Let's, you know, put Silent in our in our tweet. Let, you know, let's put specific March dates or whatever. I think that it's also them just playing with us I wouldn't read too much into this. Obviously, I could be wrong, but I, w- I would love to be wrong. I would love for Hideo Kojima to actually make uh, a new Silent Hill game. That would be amazing. We know he can do a really g- great job when it comes to making anything cinematic. And if PT was any indicator, I think a, a, a horror game from Hideo Kojima would be scary as hell. So it'll be cool to see. So the, the next article, this was just something I, I kind of pulled out from Twitfinite. I just found this really interesting. Uh, it was... It was during an event that was just happening uh, a little while back. So Phil Spencer discusses the future of consoles. This is coming from Giuseppe Nelva at Twinfinite. So today, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences published a new episode of its Game Maker's Notebook podcast, hosted by Insomnia Games' Ted Price and starring Xbox Division head, uh, head Phil Spencer. First of all, that's such a cool thing to just have someone from Insomnia Games, who, which is now owned by Sony, so Ted Price, you know, the, the head of Insomniac Games, just sitting down, having having a chat with the head of Xbox, uh, just because I think 10 years ago or so, we would never kind of imagine just like, you know, having someone like Neil Druckmann, who's the head of Naughty Dog, just sitting down with uh, the head of Bungie. I, I don't even know who the head of Bungie is. I feel like, or, I, 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 should, I should say 343 Industries, I apologize. But, you know, just having the two heads of these, exclusive studios or whatever sitting down and just talking to each other at, on a podcast would would never be a thing before but i i digress i apologize so spencer mentioned that he envisions a future with a variety of devices including streaming only consoles and more high-end ones and possibly the ability ability to access games from all the tvs in our houses i think we're going to end up with more differences underneath our tvs than we did before so spencer continues i i do think There'll, uh, I, I do think there'll be probably a plethora of streaming-only consoles that don't have a disk drive, don't have a storage drive, and everything is coming through. And then it's how how do I get the signal to the TV? Maybe some of those are built in. I think you'll see more high-end stuff as well. I just look around and try to pattern match on things. If I think about video and music, like streaming services that are out there have liberated those media types to all the devices around me, I now have way more devices than I ever had to watch TV. Underneath my television, one of the things that have always bummed me out about consoles is that I usually have one TV in my house that my console is plugged into. This is very much a multiple TV bubble world that we live in where we have multiple TVs in our house. 
But the idea that I can't just go to any TV in my house and sit down and play the games that I want to go play, we should have that ability. So this was, of course, again, an interesting take from Phil Spencer. We can see that his mind is definitely shifting towards his the, the Project X Cloud, uh, Google Stadia almost. Obviously, like the Google's doing their own thing, but Microsoft has X Cloud, And the way he's kind of going about it as well is indicating that he does want Xbox to just be an app like Spotify. It should just be the same way how I have Netflix on my Android TV. It should just be an app on your TV and you can just kind of go on and start playing your games. We kind of discussed my opinions about uh, streaming video games. I do think that at one point in the future, years from now, not not anytime recently, but uh, you know, I do see that streaming games could be a reality. But right now, it is just—it's just so hard to see it happening. Just because, like I was saying before, it is more of a of an active medium, right? You are actually playing the game, so it's not like watching a movie or listening to a song where it just kind of like loads the the song or it loads the movie and it's just kind of buffering through the movie and it's fine. This is a game, so if there's any buffering, if there's any moment where it stops or hitches or there's lag or there's latency or whatever it does take you out of the experience, right? So I feel like a lot of developers that do try to make these games, there's a, there's a reason that these video game companies are so focused or developers are so focused on making cinematic experiences, you know, cinematic storytelling, because they want to show you a story that movies or TV shows or even music or books, they, they can't do. You know, they want to be able to take you on a journey that goes from zero to 100 and take you through all these characters, take you through all these environments and stuff like that and i just don't i just don't see how streaming will fully allow you to do that i know that google stadia is out and for some people it works great for some people it doesn't right but it's obviously right now it's in its infancy right now i just do not see how everyone will have such a great connection without any latency without any lag that when they're like going through an experience like like red redemption or god of war and there's a, that key moment that's happening in that game. And there's maybe a hitch or maybe there's some pixels that pop up here and there. Kind of like how you would see on Netflix, you know, if it's buffering or whatever. I just don't, I just don't see that happening right now. It obviously makes sense that they start, they're starting this now because I can imagine that maybe 10 years from now or maybe even like longer than that, we'll start seeing this in, in, in its full fruition. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be much better. It'll run better. It'll look better. But yeah, like I... I just do. I just don't. I just don't think that anyone should put all their eggs in, in this in the streaming basket right now, just because it's still working through the kicks. I don't think that it's good. It's just going to automatically work for everyone. But of course, you know, I I think I want to be optimistic. I did try the Project X Cloud beta or alpha, whatever you might call it, on my iPhone, and it it, it ran pretty well. Uh, again, I I live in Toronto. My internet, I have gigabit, gigabit internet speed. So like, and I was connected through 5G as well to, to my Wi-Fi. So at least on my phone, I was getting around like 600 or 700 megabytes per second. Like this, that's kind of what I had. And even I noticed a bit of hitch here and there, especially when it loaded up the first time. Um, when I was playing the game, when I was playing Halo, that was the only, that's the only game that's available here. Um, it was obviously, it, it looked good. It looked good enough, but I could just kind of tell that it's almost like buffering or it's almost like, like, you know, a big given or being fed a video. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want. I don't want to be too too negative about it. Uh, I, I obviously want to give it some time as well. So the the next article 
Dreams user offered job by European game developer. This is pretty, this is pretty exciting, actually. This is something that we and Sebi were discussing uh, a while back in a couple of episodes before. So this is coming from Michael Harrods at PSU. Dreams content creator Jimmy Jules 153 has been offered a job by a European video game developer for his work on Blade Gunner, an arcade shooter created in Media, Media Molecule's DIY, DIY title that's well worth checking out. Speaking during, during an interview with Escapist Magazine, the user was understandably enthusiastic about the response to his creation so far. The tools are beyond anything I could have imagined on any platform. I could immediately see the potential for what this game could become with a supportive community behind it. I didn't expect the kind of support that my game received, but it makes me happy I was able to entertain so many people. There are some brilliant games on the front page, and it's an honor to be chosen, to be chosen among them. I was approached by a European game development company who asked me to join their team. I'm excited for the future and where this may take me. This is awesome. I mean, we were talking about how they could find ways to monetize the games on Dreams, how they could possibly monetize certain games that are really, really up to par and are really, really fully fleshed out. But, you know, on the other end, I feel like this is this is equivalent to that. You know, this is perfect. This is video game developers seek potential from someone using another video game and the tools in this video game and saying that, hey, this person actually has a creative drive. We should bring them on to our to our team and see what they can do. I think I, I think this is a big a big thing for anyone that wants to get, get into game development, for anyone that wants to start making games. This is perfect. You can just start, just pick up dreams, start playing around with it, make, use the tools, get familiar with the tools, maybe move on to Unity or Unreal Engine or something like that. You know, reach out to people. I think this will be a great way to get some amazing developers on board. And Media Molecule really, really does have something special with Dreams. I don't know if it's still selling well. I know the first week it did okay, it did pretty well. I think it came like second or something in the UK charts. And that also does not include the the digital so uh, the, uh, digital sales and stuff like that. But I think Media Molecule does have something really good here. It'll be really cool to see what they do in the future with it because... I, I played the the campaign mode. Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't really really get into it. And for someone like me who enjoy enjoys I, I guess like experiencing games rather than making them, I was not really able to kind of fully invest myself in dreams. But I know there's so many other people out there that do love that aspect of it, right? They the people who love making levels in Mario Maker, for example. I think it's the same thing. I think a lot of people out there are making games on dreams, seeing what this tool can do, basically. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be really, really cool to see what happens in the next year or so and how many other people that we, we, we find, other users on Dreams are now working for game development companies. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So this is, this is really exciting and good on, good on Media Molecule for creating something like this that allows so many younger, young gamers to come out and make video games and be able to express themselves in video game form. So the next article, this is... Platinum Games opens a new studio to create live service games for consoles. I I I have very I have very bad opinions or bad views about this, but obviously I'll I'll kind of go through the article quickly first. This is coming from Michael McWhorter at Polygon. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Bayonetta and near Automata developer Platinum Games is growing. The developer announced on Thursday it has opened a new studio studio based in Tokyo. Platinum's uh Platinum is headquartered in Osaka. That will develop. I apologize. This I just read. That, I just read that line so off. I'll just I'll just go back and say that again. The developer announced on Thursday 
It has opened a new studio based in Tokyo, Platinum is headquartered in Osaka, that will develop live service games for consoles, a brand new endeavor for the company known best for its single-player action games. Platinum Games has experimented with live services or live ops uh, games in the past, but primarily on mobile platforms. The studio worked on two titles, Lost Order for Grand, Grand Blue Publisher, Psy Games, and World of Demons for D- DNA? Yeah, DNA. That followed the live service model, but both appear to have been cancelled. Executive Vice President and Studio Head Atsushi Inaba calls Platinum's Tokyo expansion a step towards a new challenge for us. So far, the name Platinum Games has been nearly synonymous with single-player action games, Inaba said on Platinum Games' website. But going forward, we're looking to expand into new genres and styles of play. One of these new challenges for us is console live ops games development. These, these aren't games we work on until they, they were done, and that's all rather we'd continue working on them to provide... I, this is, I'm reading the quote, I apologize if this is just coming off really weird. Uh, we'd continue working on them to provide new content long after release. Okay, so basically, he's, the main thing is they want to work on live service games. I think we see a lot of companies kind of going this direction. We're seeing that with Obsidian as well, kind of going with... I forgot the game's name. I think it was called Stranded. I don't, I don't even think it's called Stranded. It was like that Honey, I String the Kids version of Left 4 Dead almost or whatever. But we're just seeing so many companies or so many development studios just kind of go towards making a game that is focused on having seasons or focused on getting people in every month, kind of like Division or something like that, where uh, it's you're in a single player universe of your own and you're just kind of going out, doing episodes, doing control points doing uh, small side missions here and there, finding shade tech or whatever. I've been playing a lot of Division, which is why this is like fresh in my mind. But that's kind of like the way they're going about it. And I do understand from a financial financial perspective when it comes to all this, you do want a game like Fortnite, you know, like Overwatch, like any other Blizzard Activision game, you know, that just kind of keeps giving you money monthly. So you don't have to rely on creating experiences, creating new games every two to three years, that are, that are huge, that are big, that get everyone in. And, you know, we've seen that backfire, right? We've seen that backfire with, with uh, unfortunately, you know, companies like Remedy, Remedy Entertainment. They came out with such a great game, Control, which won Game of the Year in, from lots of places. But, unfortunately, you know, that game did not sell as well. And, you know, I, obviously you feel, you feel bad for companies like that or developers like that that go through so much hard work, put so much effort into developing the story, developing the gameplay, and the game barely sells, and you know that's three or four years of development just kind of gone down the drain, where they barely made enough money, or maybe they just broke even, right? If you have that financial freedom, where you have a game that keeps giving you money, keeps kind of getting more players in, you're able to focus more on games. At least that's one way to look at it. That's one way I would look like to look at it. Hopefully, uh, even though Rockstar has kind of shifted their mentality or their way of approaching game releases nowadays. They released GTA 5 in 2013. Five years later, they released Red Dead Redemption 2. Usually, they will release a game every two to three years or so. It, it wouldn't be as long of a gap. But because of the, the because of the success of GTA Online, Rockstar doesn't need to release so many games all the time, right? They can focus on just getting GTA Online up to par, adding new stuff, and getting more people in. And on the, on the side, they can work on something like Red, Red Dead Redemption 2, right? So that's one case where it did kind of work out. And obviously, we know how well... Red Dead Redemption 2 did. It's a really great game. Sold a lot. But on the other end, what I worry is, right now I know Platinum Games is obviously working on multiple stuff. I know we talked about Wonderful 101. 
I think they had a few more announcements recently of, of games that they're working on. So it's not to say that, hey, this live service game means that this is the end of Platinum Games as we know it because this is all they're going to be focused on. But I'm just worried about what it might lead to in the future. Obviously, like I'm, I like as you've seen, my takes uh, on on some of these topics. Uh, I, I I obviously take a very negative approach on all of these. I I, I want to be optimistic. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be optimistic. Let's hope for the best for Platinum Games. It's good on them for opening a new studio. This means you know more developers can come on board, more ideas and stuff like that. And of course, I'm gonna give the, I'm gonna give it a shot. Whatever this live service game is, I love Platinum Games. I'm excited for Wonderful 101 uh, in April. I'm excited for Bayonetta 3. So we'll see what happens. I obviously won't make any more judgment about, about that. So the next article, Rockstar Games is updating its website with mysterious new imagery. This is coming from Alex Avard from Games Radar. Rockstar Games, developer of acclaimed open world titles like GTA 5 and Red Dead Redemption 2, has been updating its website with a number of interesting new images, leaving fans to speculate what could be in store for the studio's future. The first newly discovered piece of artwork, depicting what can only be described as a female Oscar android hugging the famous rock star R next to a bucket of champagne, appeared on the site earlier this week. Originally written off as just another decoration to embellish the web uh, webpage's sidebar. Following that, another more interesting logo image surfaced, which fans are taking as more definitive proof Definitive proof, I don't know what happened there. Definitive proof that we're on the precipice of a major new announcement from the Revere developer. Although it might be a bit too soon to declare an announcement coming, look closely and you can see Rockstar's slogan, Killing Dreams, Murdering Hope, Fighting the Righteous, Bullying the Weak. In small print alongside a, a few other letters and numbers that may be, that may be able to be pieced together for a new clue. It's worth remembering that Rockstar originally announced Red Dead Redemption 2 by quietly changing its Twitter logo without warning. So revealing another project is, uh, in, project in this way wouldn't be without precedent. As it happens, rumors of Bully 2 and GTA 6 have been swirling for years, with even Stephen Ogg himself, aka GTA 5's Trevor, saying that the latter sequel will be arriving soon. Uh, I just want to continue into an article from Kotaku. Uh, as we continue reading into the story, this is coming from Zach Zwelson from Kotaku. Rockstar updated their website to include some new images. Two of these images caught the attention of Reddit and some GTA fans. One image featured a robot. Okay, we kind of over, went over all of that. Well, here's the bad news. These two images aren't really teasing anything. I've been visiting, this is coming from Zach from Kotaku. I've been visiting the Rockstar website for a long, long time. I've seen the various updates the site has gone through. There, ha there was a period of time where the site was unable on, uh, unusable on mobile. Now it runs great and looks nice. Through all of these changes, one thing has stayed the same. The Rockstar website is dynamic and filled with ever-changing artwork and mottos. And from all my time writing, writing about Rockstar games, I've never heard of them using these random pieces of art to tease or announce a brand new game. Sure, some of them might be Easter eggs or inside jokes, but the vast majority are just cool-looking artworks created to make the site look better and randomly change each time you visit. Some eagle-eyed fans spotted the year 1998 on the bottle in the in the robot image and wondered if it was reference if it was a reference to GTA San Andreas, which is set in the 90s. Maybe maybe GTA 6 is a sequel to San Andreas, or maybe it's set in the 90s. But the more likely answer is a rock is that Rockstar Games was founded in 1998, and the artwork is referencing that. So I would want to believe that this is a new GTA 6 announcement or. 
kind of how we talked about a while back where I was getting really, really hyped when I found a tweet of someone, uh, obviously a fake fake user or, or, or whatever, kind of talking about how there, there would be a new GTA 6 announcement coming up. I, I think we can kind of assume that there is a GTA 6 being made. There are multiple games probably being made on, on, Rockstar's, on Rockstar's side. But yeah, like I, I saw the images that were changed. I just do, I also don't see how any of them actually relate to any video game or any any announcement. Uh, them changing their Twitter image to which related to them also announcing uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. It, it kind of it looks similar to the Red Dead, Red Dead font and also like had like a red overlay uh, behind it, I believe. But I think like that was a little different because you could kind of see the similarities between Red Dead and, and that Twitter change or whatever. And obviously people were speculating that a new Red Dead was coming at that time as well. I think these changes are kind of like what Zach from Kotaku said. It's more of them just updating the website, just adding cool images and stuff like that. I would like to believe. I know it's weird for me to say this. The person that you have seen on this or, or listened to on this podcast talk about all these rumors and get excited by these rumors. I think at this point that, yeah, that's it's most likely nothing. We will definitely hear from Rockstar, I'm hoping that maybe it's at the PS5 reveal event. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, I that's kind of what I was speculating that maybe they might pop up at Sony's reveal event and kind of talk about uh, a new Rockstar game, a new GTA, maybe a new Bully or whatever it may be. Uh, it will be pretty interesting. But yeah, these these image changes, whatever, and you can you can bet Rockstar is seeing all this. Rockstar is seeing the hype. Rockstar is reading into all of this. They know. And they know what they're doing. They probably, they changed all this knowing that, hey, they, they're going to get a lot of publicity for this. And for Rockstar, why is it a bad thing? The amount of people that probably went to their website just because of this, is, it probably like bumped up their overall, overall click-throughs or whatever, you know, the site visits like crazy just because of, just because of them treating images. So I would love to believe that a new Rockstar game is coming soon. Uh, I know it'll probably be coming either 2021 or 2022, more likely. And I definitely think it's not going to be announced just yet. It's not going to be announced just like this as well. So, so let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, hopefully, please, any, just give me, just give me some information, Rockstar and Sony. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for these rumors to just, just come true or just something, man. Just give me some news. I'm just, I'm just dying over here, you know. So the next article, Two Point Hospital debuts at number two. This is coming from Christopher Drake from GameIndustry.biz. Two Point Hospital was the second best-selling box game in the UK last week. Call of Duty Modern Warfare enjoyed a 30% increase in sales week on week and keeps Sega, keep Sega's hospital sim from the top spot. Of course, with digital combined, it's possible that Two Point Hospital was the real number one. We will receive the digital data later in the week. The game's predecessor, Theme Hospital, reached number one back in 1997. The most successful platform for Two Point Hospital was Nintendo Switch with 55% of box sales coming on the Nintendo's hybrid platform, 34% on PS4 and 12% on Xbox One. So I just wanted to bring this up because I remember seeing this game, I remember falling in love with the way it looks and what the overall theme and tone of the game is. At that time, I never, I didn't have a gaming PC. Obviously I have a gaming PC now. Uh, I haven't checked this out because I know it's on Game Pass as well. So I probably will check this out. And yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I mean, it's great. This game came out a while back on PC. I think it did pretty well on PC. It came out, now it's on consoles. And as, as expected, I think this will be the perfect game on Nintendo Switch. Like now that I'm thinking about about it, I I probably should buy it on Nintendo Switch rather than getting it on on my PC, just because I don't know. I feel like certain games like this, certain games like Hollow Knight 
or even Divinity Original Sin 2. I know Divinity, like games like that, look better on PC, look better on PS4. But I don't know. It's just the idea of having these games on a Switch, having it in a, in a handheld way, it's just so much more appealing. And I think that's one of the great things about, about Nintendo Switch. You know, like Nintendo Switch is obviously going to face an uphill battle this year as new consoles come out. According to what Nintendo has said, they are not refreshing their consoles. They're not having a pro version come out soon or whatever. So, you know, I, I think like it's going to be uphill battle, but the way that Nintendo Switch is doing constantly just shows you that the people that buy the Nintendo Switch do not care. They do not care about, oh, I need to have the PS5 over Nintendo Switch. I need to have this Xbox Series X over the, the Nintendo Switch. For them, it's even, that's the same in my case. I have my main console, like my PS4 or Xbox or whatever, where I play multi-platform games, where I play exclusives or whatever. And then I have a Nintendo console. Like I will always, always, always have a Nintendo console. They put themselves in that part of the market so well that, you know, like it just makes, it just makes sense. Like it's just, it's just a thing that I can see so many people going out there and, and seeing a Nintendo Switch and saying that, you know what, with Nintendo Switch, when people come over, they can play Mario Kart with me. They can play Mario Party, Super Smash Brothers. And that's kind of what my Nintendo Switch is right now. I haven't played a lot of single player games on my Switch for a little while. Obviously, I need to get back into playing more games in general. But that was one of the things that I, I, I noticed with it. It's like whenever people are over, everyone wants to play something on my Nintendo. Everyone says, let's play Mario Kart. Let's play Smash Brothers. Let's play Mario Party. You know, let's play 1-2-Switch, even though I know people didn't like 1-2-Switch. I really liked it. it was, it's pretty fun that way. But, you know, like Nintendo Switch has kind of put, put itself in a very small, or not, I shouldn't say small because it's selling like crazy, but a very specific part of the market, which is enticing for all sides, for PC gamers, for console gamers, for mobile gamers, for everyone. And, the, I mean, these sales kind of show that as well. So I know we were talking about Two Point Hospital. Two Point Hospital, Sega, great job. I'll definitely check this out. So I'll let you guys know what I think about it next week. Uh, next week as well and talking about playing video games we're gonna move on to what have you been playing so in my case uh if anyone of you have been joining me on my stream i've been, I've been playing sekiro last week or so of sekiro has been exciting to say the least a lot of craziness happened a lot of crazy boss fights got through a lot of boss fights just by just by you know hoping or praying at that moment or just by, you know, using that one potion at the right time or using one, one specific item that might give me that little sliver of health right at the end somehow. One thing that I love about Sekiro is that when you press the pause button, it actually lets you pause. In Dark Souls and all those games, if you're in a fight, you cannot pause. You cannot pause in general. So, you know, that, that saved my neck a, 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 a neck a few times. And yeah, I, I'm just like really liking this game. I'm, I'm pretty far in. I'm, I'm reaching the end. I can definitely tell because obviously I would go online just to see if I'm missing any bosses. I will always want to make sure that I get all the bosses. And that's one thing that I do hope that From Software fixes in the in the future. That they kind of implement something where if there's a boss on the on in that area or whatever, they let you know in some sense that hey by the way there's a boss here. Because I feel like if I just went down my route of killing the certain bosses that are out there or the main bosses or whatever, you know, I would I would already be finished. So and these some of these other bosses are actually really cool. And you know it's just it's just general it generally it's really fun because the gameplay is so fun. So I do hope that they do something about that and maybe Elden Ring or whatever they're working on next. Uh that should be pretty cool. I'll obviously start to try I'll try to stop talking about Sekiro so much, but I as you can tell, uh, I really love Sekiro and my Instagram as well. If anyone of you are, is, is following, you can you can check out my Instagram. It's always it's, it's filled with Sekiro uh clips from Twitch as well. So um the next game is, is Wilson. I played more of this game with Sebi. 
I really like this game. Um, it's I think it's growing more on, on me a lot more, especially because I I think it's because Sebi's helping me quite a bit too. Uh, Sebi is obviously is, is also very he's higher level than I am, so he's able to jump into my game and help me out. He's able to help me with certain enemies and stuff like that. So it's made my life a lot easier. And uh, the story is interesting. The story hasn't really grabbed me. I try to pay attention to it. I try to kind of go over what's happening, but I don't know. It just doesn't click with me in that way. So I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, that's just the thing with this type of game. I think the main the selling point about this game is that it's it's a Diablo game that you don't have right now. So if you really like Diablo and you want a new Diablo or something, I think this game is perfect. So I'll, I'll definitely have more to talk about uh, about Wilson for next week as well. I'll definitely talk about that. Uh, the next game is Outer Worlds. I kind of went back to play Outer Worlds. I was already like 16 hours in. I know the game is very short, but I'm just doing every single side mission because I, I do really like that game. And, and yeah, I'm making my way through that game. I really like it. It's a weird thing where... If I start playing Outer Worlds, I play it for an hour, two hours, and I get I get invested. But then when I'm away from Outer Worlds, there's nothing that's really pulling me in. Like right now, I, I keep thinking about, oh, I should play Division 2, or I should play Wolzen, or I should play something else, or play Sekiro, or whatever, right? Like it doesn't come to my mind that, oh, let's go back and play some more Outer Worlds. It's more of me telling myself that, oh, Aman, like you were pretty, you're pretty far in. Why don't we just kind of see this through and finish this game, right? So... I think I definitely do need to kind of get in, get in there in, in that game more and try to finish that game and, and just kind of get it out of the way. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that game that doesn't really pull me in that way. But when I am playing it, I do really, really like it. So Outer World so far has been has been a fun game. Obsidian did such a great job. Uh, the, the next game I really want to talk about is Final Fantasy VII. So I played the remake, the demo, and this is coming from someone who has only completed Final Fantasy XV. I know, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. But that's the only Final Fantasy I finished. I played 7 a little bit. And that was like in like 2013 or 2014, I remember. I played a bit of it. I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Just because I guess it's, it, I, I, for me at least, it hasn't aged well. I've tried Final Fantasy 9. I've tried Final Fantasy 13. I've even tried Final Fantasy 14. Uh, I believe I've tried Final Fantasy 10. But like all these games, as you, can, as you can tell, I've tried them. And I got into them a little bit, but not really. And... I played this remake, going in, not knowing anything. Uh, I played it, and I really, really liked it. I, I was surprised by how much I liked it. There were definitely some mechanics that I'm not sure of, or some mechanics I feel like maybe I was getting wrong or wasn't grasping properly. So certain boss fights and stuff like that, or certain fights in general, like I, I was not able to use my potion sometimes, or you know, sometimes it just seems like if I'm doing something, it's just impossible for me to dodge the enemy because it is more action oriented rather than turn based. You can obviously make it turn based in a sense, but it's not really turn based. And like that, that kind of confused me a bit. But of course, I think that's the same as Sekiro, right? It's just a thing where you play the game, you try it out, uh, trial and error, you make mistakes, stuff like that, and you learn from it. So I'm sure that once I do get the game, and I have pure the game like a while back, so I am going to play it for sure. Uh, this demo definitely, this demo definitely solidified that for me that. This is a game that I do want to play and I do want to try out. It's a really, really fun game. The story is interesting. I couldn't get into the story. I remember when I first played Final Fantasy VII, the, the OG one, just because, I don't know. Again, like, that game came out a while back, so I can't fault it for that, right? It just came out, like, a, in 997 or 998, I can't even remember when. But it came out a while back, and at that time, you know, that was kind of, like, the pinnacle of storytelling, right? But, like, now, like, going through something like that is just hard for me, I guess. So for me, like the storytelling, the voice acting, everything was so perfect, the music, that yeah, I'm, I am really, really looking forward to it. And I, I will definitely talk more about this game. I was definitely surprised. 
And yeah, now this game has become one of my more anticipated games for the year. Because I was already looking forward to doing an Animal Crossing this month. For April, I know uh, Final Fantasy VII is coming out. And I know there's a few other games as well. But I wasn't really looking forward to this game. I was like, yeah, like I'll get it. I'll try it out and, and see, right? I, I don't know what it's going to be. But now I'm actually actively looking forward to it. And I'm trying to get more of my friends on it on board as well. So yeah, let's see what happens. I, I am pretty excited for this. So moving on, we're gonna move on to the unputdownable topic. I'm trying, I'm trying this out. Okay, I'm just, try, I just love that word. I don't know. I heard this word once, and I can't stop using it. So we're gonna, we're gonna name a whole section after this. Okay, so this is going to be the unputdownable topic. So this is gonna be us uh, talking about a topic or something that I had in my mind. And this, this uh, the unputdownable topic. I know I'm saying it three times now. Unputdownable topic. For, for this week is should the next-gen console launch with multiple SKUs? So this has been a heated discussion, at least on Reddit from what I've seen. Uh, this is coming from BGR from Chris Smith. Uh, the claim comes from a NeoGAF report with a source who has privately vetted their industry experience with NeoGAF staff. Here's what this person had to say about the new consoles. So this is from the, the user that reported NeoGAF. As always, I, I just to kind of preface everything, I usually go over an article quickly before I kind of talk into my thoughts overall about the, the topic. So from the article, um, I heard that there are two consoles per company. The, the mid-gen refreshes are going to be introduced at release so that these consoles can run the entire seven-year cycle. Xbox Series X that was released yesterday is a top-end one. Obviously, it's not released yesterday. I'm assuming that means the news. It's 12 teraflops from what we know. There will be a, a a base Xbox Series X that is slower than that one. Sony is releasing two PlayStation models. The base is 9 teraflops. Their other one is also top of the line to compete with Xbox Xbox Series X. This all makes sense now as to why people are getting mixed, mixed, mixed numbers for each of the platforms. I also heard that the top of the line models will be expensive. No pricing, but I would guess around $600. Also, no dates on when the top models will come out for PS5. Okay, yeah. So basically... Kind of the thing that I want to go over was whether this is really, really a, a bad thing. Because I, what, from what I read from everyone, a lot of people have very mixed opinions about this. Or actually, it's, it's more leaning towards them not wanting another SKU. And I'm of the mind that honestly, this is not a bad idea. Because all this does, it, get, it gets more people uh, on their ecosystem or gets more, more of these consoles in people's hands. So if PS5 does launch with a base one and a pro version, right? And the pro version, let's say, the way it's going, right? Like the way that we we were reading about how each unit is costing $450 and they're doing their best to reduce the price. And that's from what we know. We don't know if that cost has gone up, you know, with everything that's happening as well. Like them releasing that console, a really high tier, upper tier version at like 600 USD or 650 USD, but then having a cheaper one, like 399 USD, right? So not even 499, which we were predicting, but 399 or like something much lower end, I think that would be a really, really good deal for people to be able to get into that console. And you know, like with these upper tier ones, it's the same thing I noticed with PS4 Pro. Like from what people say with PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, and I have both of them, right? I had a PS4 before, I had an Xbox One before, and I switched to the, the Pro models. Uh, and the the difference is good. You If I, I have a 4K TV and you see a bit of the difference, but it's not that big of a difference, at least for me, to warrant you to be like, no, this new console, new version of this console is way, way better. It was totally worth it. It's made all these games look way better and play way, way better. For most of the games that I played, 
And from the reports that I got from, from my friends and stuff who, who have played some of the games on their base PS4, the games run basically the same. Like, obviously, there's going to be hitches. There might be uh, some slowdowns, some frame rate drops, whatever. The, the difference was never that big. That being said, obviously, I don't know how it's going to work for this generation, right? Because this generation is obviously approaching it a little different. They're kind of almost building a PC more like rather than a console console per se. So I, I, I it might be a little different here, but I think when it comes to these kinds of pro console, whatever, it's great for consumers who, let's say, have a 4K TV or like have that extra thing that you need for these consoles. So for the pro models, I just, I just don't see why you would want to get a pro or Xbox One X unless you have a 4K TV. It literally is literally pointless. I would, I would not invest in those unless you actually have a 4K TV. So it's the same thing with these pro models. I think like obviously now more and more people have 4K TVs and I'm sure the base ones, of course, will be working on 4K TVs and will probably like perform really well on 4K TVs. With these pro models, it's the same thing. If, if it's doing something that you can take advantage of or you see the advantage in, then it makes sense. But if it's such a minuscule advantage, like really, really minuscule, like maybe less frame rate drops on Red Redemption 2, I don't know. You know, like small, small things like that. Like I do not think that it's such a big deal. If someone wants to buy it, they'll buy it. But it sh- no one should be, no one f- should feel like they're being left left behind by getting the base console. So I think that's one of the reasons I, in my brain, I, I was thinking that, you know what, them splitting this up like this is much better, especially in the beginning of the cycle, so that, you know, the people that do want to invest in that pro version can do that now. But anyone that wants to get the base one right now and can get it for like $399 or it, this allows them to make a cheaper version. So not the 499 that we were predicting, but a cheaper one, like 399 I feel like that's overall going to be way, way better. More people will get on board. More people will get on next gen. And it just makes sense in terms of them wanting to continue this for seven years. Because, of course, after three years or so, I think it was three years, they released PS4 Pro. I think for Xbox, it was 2017, so four years later. Uh, you know, they got these Pro consoles out. They obviously sold well. They did well enough. But it was... It, you know, it came at a point where some games started, some some games started looking better on PS4 Pro or or Xbox One X and didn't run as well on the on the base PS4. What I'm hoping, like kind of what I'm trying to get at with this, is what I'm hoping is that if they release the both both the Pro model and the base model together, maybe maybe that might allow developers to optimize the games a bit better. I don't know. Like I'm I'm, I'm trying to like trying to put it into words what I'm trying to think exactly, but. Kind of, I'm also here as, as a PC, you know, but you have a PC that, that has a lower end GPU versus a higher end GPU for both sides, the game, as long as it meets the minimum specs for that game, uh, it will run well on both, you know, because those games just need to be optimized uh, for, for those consoles, right? For, for that, for that GPU, sorry. Uh, the way that they're approaching these, these consoles now, since they are more PC based, I think as long as, as long as the developers are able to kind of optimize it for those, for that GPU specifically, like it's gonna still run at 60 frames, you know? It might not look as pretty, but it's still gonna run really, really well. And I think that's the main main thing that I, I wanna happen with, with these consoles, with these, if there is a base and a, uh, and a pro version. Uh, because that was the issue with, with PS4 and PS4 Pro. And like I said, obviously this is from my report, from what I've seen, I don't see that big of a difference, but I know what I read online, stuff like that, right? A lot of people talk about how uh, control runs way better on PS4 Pro, but obviously some people say that control runs the same on PS4 Pro, right? And like, I think that was a reason because of the architecture of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox in general, 
that maybe these developers weren't able to fully optimize it for the base and the PS4 Pro. They had to kind of make some concessions. So I'm hoping that maybe with the Pro versions and maybe these new next-gen models, maybe they'll be able to do that just because of the whole architecture and the way it's being built. I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on this. Um, at the same time, I, I again, like, I don't think I don't think it's that bad of a thing just as, uh, in terms of price because I'm looking at it in terms of if they are able to make a beefier version and that comes out, that becomes their more expensive one, the one that we were afraid of, that, oh my God, this console is $600, no one's going to buy it, right? If they come out with a beefier version, that's 600 bucks. But along with that, they come out with a, a pretty powerful version that is lower end, maybe you know, around 399 or something. So not even 499. 499 was what we were kind of assuming, but they kind of drop it below that, come to 399. Like, I think that's perfect. Like, even in my case, I would I would love to get a pro version, but of course I would want to weigh both sides. I want to see if like, if it actually makes sense to get a pro version, right? Because I've had the PS4 Pro, I've had my Xbox One X, and I'll be completely honest, like the amount I, I spent for both of them, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to justify it. The price in a way just because of, of how I see the games like they look good but like you know not like it's not like eye-watering good like my PC when I play my PC PC games on my 1440p monitor on at like 144 hertz I'm like wow okay I can see a big difference but when I see the games that I the same game that I was playing on my PS4 PS4 I remember this actually happened I, I'll actually tell you a story I went to EV games I remember I bought um, Wolfenstein 2 and I bought I think it was a Sanskrit Odyssey or, or Origin, sorry. Yeah, a Sanskrit Origins. Like that was, it was around the time that both of the games were out. And I remember like buying those games for my, uh, for my PS4. And around that time, I got the Xbox One X. So I actually went back to EV Games, gave it back to them and, and told them that I just wanted the Xbox version. And they were baffled. They were like, why would I get the Xbox version? I was like, oh, I have the Xbox One X. So it's going to like look better. And I, I would assume that a lot of these people at EV Games, they would know the difference between these consoles, but they were kind of confused. They were like, well, like, it'll, it'll look the same. It'll be the same or whatever, right? And I was like, I was like, no, like it should be in 4K or whatever. And I, I, they were obviously confused. They gave me the game, whatever. I came back. I started playing Wolfenstein 2. And I mean, I played on PS4 a little bit before that. I played, I played on Xbox and I was like looking at it. I'm like, yo, I'm not seeing anything, man. I can't, I can't believe I took the game out, uninstalled from a PS4, went to EB Games, replaced it, had to explain to the person why I'm doing this. I went back, put it on my Xbox One, on my Xbox One X, and like, yeah, like I'm sure if I do pay attention to it, I'm sure the art, the resolution is higher, or this might be higher, the refresh rate, I don't know. Like whatever is like looking better overall, but you like, I don't know, man. It was, it was, it was a thing where at that moment I just realized I'm like, wow, I yeah, I need to like rethink, <laughs> to rethink some things in my life because it was, it was me kind of falling for for all of that, right? Where everyone's like, oh, Xbox One X. Oh my god, it looks way better. That's kind of what I read all the time. You know, everyone's like, Red Dead Redemption 2, killer app. It's a killer app for Xbox One X. And I remember playing, I played Red Dead Redemption 2 on my, I, I literally own it on PS4, on Xbox, and my PC, right? So I, I, I'm i a person who's tried it on everything. And I played on my PS4 Pro, and I played on Xbox One X, and I did my best, man. I did my best to see the difference, and I could not, I could not for the life of me figure it out. And these are two consoles, like where one is six teraflops, one's four teraflops, right? PS4 Pro. And even for the base one, the base PS4 is like one or two teraflops, like barely. So like, you know, like when I look at it in the end, I'm like the difference is, is very, it's very hard to notice. So like, I think the main takeaway is that, you know, this whole thing when it comes to like the 
power, like with, with the lower end PS5, the higher end PS5, at the end of the day, if you buy a, a, a game for PS5, even if it's, if, if it's on the base one, it's still going to look and run as well as a, as a higher end one. You know, there might be some degree thing that might be better on the higher end one. And to be honest, unless you have a, a TV that you play the games on that has a, a refresh rate higher than 60, like mine, most 4K TVs are just 4K 60 hertz, right? Or if you play on a monitor, that's a different thing. But most for, most 4K TVs are at 60 hertz. It's like, you know, if you can get 4K 60, let's say with the base PS5, and you get the high-end, crazy, beefed-up PS5, at the end of the day, on your TV, it will still run at 4K 60. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be able to go above 60 hertz just because your your TV is locked at 60 hertz. So, like, that's kind of my main thing. So, I, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think multiple SKUs allows for more accessibility when it comes to people being able to choose uh, between consoles. They're able to, if, as, only if they actually do a good job with the pricing. Look, if they come out and the base PS5 is $499 and the higher end one is like $699, then I don't know. Then obviously that might be that might be a little bad, right? That might not work out. But I, I'm thinking in my brain that the higher end one, if that one is, let's say, $599, right? But the lower end one, is like three nine nine, or maybe even like four four fifty or four something, right? They can even go for four fifty. I don't know if that's a new price pricing thing. Who knows? But like even if they go for that one, right? I think that would be a very very it would be so good because more people can get into it at the same time. Like if you want the beefier version, a beefier version is there, and for anyone else, it's there for us to upgrade to in the in the, in the future, right? It's like I just want them to use the second skew, the top end skew, as a way to to drop down. Or lower the price of the base PS5. I know I kind of went off rails. I kind of went off tangent for a little bit, but that was kind of like I, just, I obviously I'm very passionate about this stuff, so I just kind of wanted to. I really was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this in my brain about my purchases when it comes to PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about that. So thank you everyone for joining. I hope uh, you enjoy this podcast. Please send me emails at amandamangames at gmail.com. That's amandamangames at gmail.com. I'm going to continue streaming Sekiro this week. So please join in for that. I'm going to be on Twitch, Mixer, even on YouTube. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I post le- regularly on Instagram. So check that out. I also post my Twitch clips and stuff there too. And yeah, please let me know if there's any topics you want me to cover. Most of these topics that I come up with are stuff that I just read or like I find on the internet. So if you have any ideas, any topics, let me know. And yeah, please, any advice, feedback is appreciated. So thank you everyone and I hope to see everyone next week. Bye.